Exactly. But yeah, so I, I like this whole, you know, one of us comes up with like a vague idea of a topic and then we just kind of run with it and not really giving the others specific. Yeah, just kind of kick it back and forth. Yeah, I gave you the general idea of myths revolving around musicians or yeah. myths or legends, rumors, whatever. And we really haven't said anything else about it until right now. So I'm really curious to see if we kind of went the same direction or if you thought of something that I didn't think of at all. I have a bunch of notes and rather than most of them, rather than like writing anything out, I just kind of have the, the artist and like what the general and what the, the myth, myth is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a couple of those. Some of the things I have, I have a little more information written about, but the one let's just start with this one then, because this is the one that kind of always makes me think about it in the first place. Yeah. Now here's the thing is we had the weird disadvantage of being children and then teenagers in the early age of the internet. So by the time we were like in high school, it wasn't that hard to just look up something and see if it's true or not. Yeah. I actually had an I actually had a note about that as well. Cause, uh, yeah, well, because it's true. I mean, you know, there, there a lot were... of these, a lot of these, it was like the kind of thing you'd hear at school and you'd, you know, have to go with it through the day, but then you'd go home and check it out on somewhere on the internet, see if it's true or false, and then argue about it the next day at recess. Yeah. Well, because you, have, you figure some of these, some of these types of things, when these myths started, that wasn't an option. So you just kind of had to go with what some tabloid said or what your cousin told you and that's how these rumors spread notably the one that always that i always think of first is and i remember the person who first told me this one is that marilyn manson had his lower ribs removed yep to suck his duck <laughs> i remember i can picture his name is I can picture the guy who told me this. We were like maybe 11 or 12 years old. I remember hearing this and then trying to picture the cover of the album Mechanical Animals, right? Mm -hmm. If you can picture it. And I remember trying to picture it and thinking like, is that true? Like, does that make sense? Because still at the time, you this is, this is, you know, 2000, 2001, somewhere in that realm. I was on the border of being naive enough to question like, well, he is kind of weird. So maybe that's actually a thing, but is that actually a thing? I mean, obviously the answer is no, like that, that didn't happen. I don't know how to break that news to anybody else. Um, it's not true. <laughs> Factually though, he is the kid from the wonder years. Believe that one. You should absolutely <laughs> believe that what? one. Do you, did you not grow up with that what? one? No. What so you know this? the so you know the nerdy friend from the Wonder Years. Did you ever see the Wonder Years growing up? The like on Nick at Night. I watched the show for a brief period of time. It it was never a show I was really into, but like I'm I'm aware. But like, wait. So there's this rumor that one of those kids was Marilyn Manson. So obviously it isn't true, but it, the the story is. And if you Google Marilyn Manson Wonder Years, you'll see probably a picture comparison of like the kid and Marilyn Manson a little bit older. Uh, but yeah, there's like this, this alleged story that the kid from the Wonder Years grew up to be Marilyn Manson. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's really dumb. Um, no, I, you know what? So 
I mean, obviously, maybe I, I did hear that at some point. I don't remember that one. That is not a story that has stuck with me. Well, having his ribs moves is the much better story. Is, so. I think, the much bigger story. Um, and it's it's not true, but I think it makes for a great story. I think, I mean, that had to have started in the early 90s when he was first coming out, right? Like, Absolutely, I assume yeah. that I assume that, that myth is about as old as his, like, fame is yeah i gotta think that's like that came out when he was just starting to get popular probably and it was early enough it was pre-internet um so like that was a thing that you would just kind of have to listen you you hear someone say it and then just have to make your own judgment is this true or not and i feel like that's probably the last time there was an actual big myth around like a rock star because ever since then, it's just been easy to go find information and prove whether it's true or not. Or at least find message boards of people, you know, with their with their red scribble line in MS Paint circling things and saying, like, no way, you see, you can totally see his ribs right here, and here you can see this right here, like, it's totally not true. And then someone else photoshops a version of the picture and comes back and says that, you know, absolutely not, you're a piece of shit, it's fucking right here, you can see how true it is, whatever. Right. But, like, still. Yeah, I can't think of any big ones after that. Um, or at least any that that aren't just based in internet conspiracy to begin with, you know. Uh, <clears throat> which I think uh, might be might be something that we'll get to towards the end. I think we're going to do, to um, reference another piece of seasonal media that you hate. We might have a bit of a science fiction double feature here. Because uh, we also were going to talk a little bit about uh, musical conspiracies and replacements. Uh, yeah, I mean... If you would like to get into that, you are welcome to. Oh, come on. You know you love the story that Bob Dylan was replaced eight times. I don't. No? I don't. Oh, man. Don't. But you have, you have Abbey Road on your wall, so you have to know Paul McCartney's dead. I do. I have a huge poster of... I mean, this, this, this poster has to be, like, four and a half feet across. Like, this is a, this is a pretty large poster. Um, yeah, like, okay, I get it. Paul is holding a cigarette and he's barefoot. And when the rest of them, I'm looking at the poster right now, when the rest of them have their left foot forward, he has his right foot forward. And supposedly being barefoot is how you're buried in England and whatever else. Like, okay, I get it. He, he's out of step. Um, and at the end of, of, oh God, I'm drawing a blank on what song it is. What song, what Beatles song? I'm so tired. Backwards. Is it, uh, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I believe it's near the end of I'm So Tired. If you play it backwards, you absolutely, without a doubt, hear John Lennon say, Paul is dead, man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. No one is dead, man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. Yeah, I get it. It's it's dumb. The man's still alive. Well, it does. It comes from an an actual uh like article that was printed right like it was it was a, they mistakenly said that he died in a car accident that actually did happen it was just non-fatal right oh so okay so i i my understanding of it wasn't that it was like misreported my understanding was that someone started the rumor intentionally for the sake of starting the rumor oh, okay. but used an actual car accident as like the catalyst okay See, I heard, I, I, I heard I, that I maybe, at the time it was, like, misreported by one newspaper in America, uh, okay. and then it just blew out of proportion. Uh, okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I, this is not a, this is not a topic that I know a whole lot about, obviously. Um, I was unaware. I've just kind of always accepted it as a, 
like an intentional hoax that that went too far. Well, and it, and without even circling back to it, like the the few the few, there's just this kind of the same thing with a few other artists. One I believe being Bob Dylan, um, which they say you know he died in a motorcycle accident and then was replaced, and then you know he died again, and then was replaced about eight times or some shit. But it just comes from this idea that allegedly these people, you know, die and society isn't ready for it. And someone, you know, they, them replace them. Um, and the other one is, is your girl Avril Lavigne. And that has to be how we got the Hello Kitty song. <laughs> oh, it, it couldn't possibly just be the fact that Avril Lavigne consistently writes like a handful of really dumb songs. Like, God forbid! It, it had, like obviously it's a replacement. Like the true Avril Lavigne would never write something so stupid. No, like she always has. Avril Lavigne's music has always been some really wonderful songs, and then just like, yeah, this is really awful. Like this is really really dumb. As a fan, though, was that ever on your radar? Like that that conspiracy? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was brought up. Oh my god, that that's. <sighs> When did that supposedly happen? That had to be mid two thousands. I think it was right like, after as far the first as our... and between the first and yeah, second album because that's when say, she like... kind of like she kind of went from that like pop punk image <clears throat> to uh, a little more mature. Which God forbid someone would do that. Yeah, God forbid someone who starts their career at eighteen um, slowly grows up over time. Like absolutely crazy. But yeah, I mean, so it was like earlier mid two thousands that supposedly Avril Lavigne died and was replaced by what's her name, Melanie. They have a name for the girl. Yeah, and I I, I don't remember. Um, and periodically I'll find, you know, being an Avril Lavigne fan, Avril Lavigne things show up in my recommended things online. <laughs> I'll get like these videos that compare her singing voice between you know. Her first album in the studio versus a live recording on someone's cell phone from last week. And it's like, no, no shit, it's going to sound different. First off, she is 20 years older. Uh, second off, one is a studio recording and one is a live record. Like, what do you want? Quite frankly, she I think her voice is holding up really damn well, all things considered. The fact that her vocal style is kind of shouty, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I really don't get it. I really don't. So, I mean, do you want to, we'll go back to myths now, because I think that's, that's pretty much the full topic there. I think. Uh, you just wanted to acknowledge, so. yeah, you it's, just a, wanted, you... it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things I put in there with the myths and, and that kind of thing that, um you know, it, it, it fits the subject matter. I just kind of want to go over it a little bit. Like there's no, there's no reason to delve into these things that probably aren't true. <laughs> not not probably aren't true. Like, they're absolutely not true. I'm holding out on the Avril Lavigne thing. Why? I don't know. Like, why Why does that benefit you? <laughs> sounds fun. <laughs> you know what else sounds fun? Speaking of, um, so go, thinking of, thinking of the, uh, the Beatles one, actually, you know, Paul is dead the way I thought it was just, like, an intentional hoax that, that got too far. I very recently learned of this idea that Garth Brooks is like a mass murderer who buries all the bodies in his yard. Have you ever seen this? No. If you go on any online platform other than, like, I wouldn't recommend looking up his big hits on YouTube, but go on, like, look up Garth Brooks on Reddit. You will find 
tons of comments of people just saying, where are the bodies, Garth? And it started as a as an obvious joke on a podcast. Um, oh my god, what was it called? It's literally called like the Your Mom podcast or something along those lines. Where they did like this joke bit about Garth Brooks being a mass murderer who buries the bodies under under, you know, in his backyard. But it it has taken on a life of its own. Like, what went as, like, a few minutes on a podcast has become this whole huge conspiracy where people are creating tons of fake evidence. It is the internet being the internet, and it is absolutely incredible. I highly recommend it. So if you think years back, I once saw Garth Brooks, and I sent you a text during you that. You did. I remember that text very well, actually. What did it say, Jeff? It said, and I, I may be misquoting it, I don't remember, like, word for word, but the gist of it was, please send help, send the FBI, send ISIS, I don't care, just fucking shoot me. So what you're saying is Garth Brooks could have done it himself right then and there. <laughs> yes. Yes, he sure could have. Um, in all fairness, you you did that because you were taking your, your mom. I was to taking my mom to go see like, Garth Brooks, yeah. Like, it was actually super cool. Like, that's really <laughs> awesome, honestly. It actually was a and good show. I'm not that much for the I'll music. Say, I think When the Thunder Rolls is a pretty cool song, but I, yeah. this is not my thing. But it was a cool show. Yes. Yes, I also really like um, Through the Fire and Flames before Dragon Force stole it. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great song. Speaking of Fire and Flames, let's talk about Robert Johnson. That was quite a transition. <laughs> As we all know, Will Robert Johnson went down to the crossroads to uh, uh, sell his soul to the devil so he could get the chops to shred that old cemetery gate solo. Okay, that's not quite how it... Not quite how it goes. But what those in the believe... know don't want you to know is that actually Will Robert Johnson didn't sell his soul. He was died and was replaced. I hate the fact that you just said that. No, but okay, so Robert Johnson. Uh, blues, One of my favorites. Blues guitar player and singer. From the, like, 20s, 30s. Old Delta Blues. One of the original blues guys. Robert Johnson is one of the biggest influences on a lot of the British blues players. Like Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones and Eric Clapton. There is a story even, and I believe it's Keith Richards who said this. When he first heard a recording of Robert Johnson, he assumed he was listening to two guitar players. Mm -hmm. Um... I genuinely question if I believe that or not. I'm not Keith Richards. I don't know what Keith Richards' understanding of different styles of music was at the time. Well, you also never I know listen- how high he was. That's true. So, like, I listen to Robert Johnson, and it seems very obvious that it is, mind you, very impressive guitar playing. But it's very obviously one person. Regardless, Robert Johnson was a really genuinely phenomenal guitar player for, for the era and for the style and he does have a song called Crossroads, very famously covered by Eric Clapton while in Cream, and then continues to do so as well. Um, so yeah, the idea is that basically Robert Johnson went to a crossroads and intersection and met with the devil and sold his soul for his ability. For his talent. I mean, and the story goes that he was kind of a like a meddling guitar player before that, and uh, he he got tired of bad reviews and and just went and sold his soul to to get better immediately. Yes, um, I mean not that Robert Johnson ever really garnered a ton of wealth and fame. Even even you know at his height, he was still a 
black man in the American South in the 20s and 30s. There's only so much fame that anyone would allow, you know, allow through here. Um, there's also the fact that he died at the age of 27. He is pretty like, notably the earliest member of the 27 Club. He, and he, not much is known about him outside of that myth that, from what I understand, might have actually originated with a different blues guitarist. Have you heard that? Well, it also possibly originated with even older people. There is a story that viol- the viol- the violinist Niccolo Paganini yeah. is, you know, it was, it was said that he sold his soul for his abilities. Like, yeah, I mean, it goes, it goes is, as is old as time. time. Yeah. Um, but there was, there was another, uh, guitarist, something Johnson that it, the story may have been about that. And there was some sort of confusion, confusion, passing the tail down once Robert Johnson got his notoriety. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely possible. There's, a lot of it isn't well documented. Again, considering the fact that no matter how famous some of these early blues musicians were, they were never "quote unquote" that famous. They they never were reaching superstar levels. Um, there's something like three confirmed photos of Robert Johnson, and there's a handful of photos that people question, like, is this him or not? Yeah. But what's really cool, and I'm actually sending this to you right now. Uh, it's in the chat now. A guy on Reddit not long ago did some, uh, you know, photo wizardry. I don't, I really don't understand how these people do this stuff. This is amazing to me. And just he took one of the confirmed photos of Robert Johnson and really cleared it up a lot better. It's just a really cool picture to see. Yeah. Just in like this kind of clarity. So good job, Why Blood 46 This is so cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, like a lot of the guys at the time, there's not a whole lot known to him, which I think adds to how easy it is to add a myth around him. Right. Just because there's not much known to him, and he did die young. So there was no one to ever, you know, 30 years later, no one was tracking him down and saying, hey, your music inspired a ton of people, I want to write your biography. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't around to do so. And of course, that probably that probably led to a lot of the... Uh... Bullshit Satanism we got in the 70s with, like, Jimmy Page and David Bowie and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, again, because the especially a lot of the British blues guys who were really into these these old Delta blues musicians. Um, yeah, the stories of the mysticism and, and, and all the Satan and whatever. Uh, that all carried over. So I'm, I'm sure there is a direct line between Robert Johnson and... You know, and Jimmy Richie Page Black, hanging out Richie with Blackmore uh, and Antoine Jimmy Page LeVay. trying to summon demons and whatever, hanging out with Antoine Lavey and and Loch Ness and that kind of shit. Yeah, I'm sure there's a I'm sure there is a direct line connecting that. Okay, so so speaking of of Robert Johnson though, I want to bring up uh, again. I I just I briefly mentioned it, but I want to bring up the Twenty Seven Club. Okay. Just because this is this is much less rumor and, and myth, but there is like some something about the Twenty Seven Club, which there's is some, all there's of some these... coincidental, you know, there's some coincidence yeah. going on, and it and it makes uh makes it interesting. It does, and it doesn't. It does only in the fact that for some reason we kind of all talk about it as if it's a thing. 
the 27 Club is just uh, basically famous people. They're normally, a, it's normally a small list of musicians who all died at the age of 27. Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, like, they all died in, like, a two and a half year span, all at the age of 27, which is, is pretty coincidental. And then, of course, 20 years later, Kurt Cobain died at 27, which kind of reignited the idea of the 27 Club. And depending on who you ask, it wasn't 27 at all. It was the white Bic lighters in their pockets. What? Have you ever heard the idea that Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, and Kurt Cobain all died with white Bic lighters in their pockets because this is an actual supposed uh, uh, rock and roll myth that actually isn't true because when some of them died, white Bic lighters weren't even a thing, but that's fine. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, that... Like, there you, weren't even disposable lighters. You made this even better. <laughs> you made <laughs> you made the idea of the 27 Club even more applicable to, like, a myth. Because that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> um, no, I've never heard that. And yeah. from what I understand... Excuse me. From what I understand, and I'm and I'm going to quote something here... Evidence shows popular musicians are most likely to die at the age of 56. That would be 2.2% die at 56, compared to the 1.3% who die at 27. That is from a 2014 article at The Conversation. So, there's literally nothing about the 27 Club that makes it special or interesting. I think the only thing that makes even the slightest bit of sense is just that 27 is old enough that your body's becoming a little less resilient and all of these people were on drugs well and and a lot of those people ran with the same crowds and did the same drugs well yeah they were all that's what i mean they were all i mean they were all well not all completely connected but like Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin were in the same places. You Jim know what Morrison I mean? got in a fight with Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin on the same stage. Okay, but I mean, yeah, yeah, like you're not wrong. They were they were all part of the same general crowd, and they were all those you know those four were all from the same time frame. Mm -hmm. It's just a coincidence because you can't pinpoint four people from the late '60s rock scene. And then think there's some kind of curse or something when, wait, there were how many rock stars from the late 60s who are still alive? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't yeah. really make any sense, but I, I I, think thinking of the 27 Club, I think, is super interesting. Um, I appreciate when people reference the 27 Club. I This is awful. Mac Miller had a song called Brand Name, which has the line... To everyone who to everyone who sells me drugs, don't mix it with that bullshit. I'm hoping not to join the 27 Club. And then he didn't because he wasn't even 27 when he died. I believe he was 26. Well, okay. Um, this is getting depressing. So let's go back to conspiracy for a second. Talk about how Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix aren't actually dead, and neither is Tupac or Elvis. Okay. So my question to you is, where did they go? Um, I think they're all hanging out on an island. Tupac is still putting out albums. Jimi oh, Hendrix is, is, oh, is he? Jimi Hendrix 100% is still putting out albums. He's just re-recording, uh, you no. know, all along the Watchtower again. I love the fact that 
they keep releasing like quote unquote unheard Jimi Hendrix tracks, but it's been the same unheard tracks for at least 20 years. Like, this isn't unheard of before. You've just never released it before. Someone else has released yeah, it. Yeah, a lot of them are on, like, bootlegs and, and underground yeah, collections like these, from these back These tracks the have existed for a long time. Factually, though, absolutely not factually, Jimi Hendrix kept acid in his bandanas and absorbed it through cutting his forehead. Wait, what? Uh, that's one I found in, in the research for Jimi Hendrix. Uh, the claim is that he, obviously, again, not true, he used to cut his forehead... And then put acid in the bandana to absorb it through the blood. Why you would never see blood on the bandana is a mystery to everyone, obviously. It's, yeah. It's a secret to everybody. Um, yeah. So I think literally anyone who's ever talked about knowing Jimi Hendrix personally would, uh, would argue that. Considering the fact that by every account I've ever found, he was a really kind of calm and quiet dude for the most part. He was wild on stage and then he would drink and do drugs, but he wasn't, he wasn't cutting himself open. Yeah. All right. Leave, leave that for Iggy pop in a few years after he died. Okay. That's not, that wasn't a Hendrix bit. Let's be real, Otherwise, though. If Jimi Hendrix wanted to drop acid on stage, I think Jimi Hendrix would just drop acid on stage in front of fucking yeah. everyone. And I don't think that ever happened, as far as I'm aware. Who's gonna stop him? You tell Jimi Hendrix not to drop acid? I'm sure as fuck not. Kurt Cobain was murdered. Let's go. D- do you really want to get into that? That's up to you. Because I'll be honest. I'll be honest, everybody. I don't want to talk about it. No. I, I, so here's here's my thing. I don't know. There is way too much evidence, kind of on every side, and most of it is hearsay. There is very little actual evidence that is public information about it. Um, I because the problem is also you you can take some of the facts, like how much how much heroin was in Kurt Cobain's body, and according to some people, there is no way he was even functioning enough to stand, let alone pull a trigger. And then according to other people with that same information, other experts in that field, they will say his tolerance absolutely was high enough that he could have still functioned with that much heroin in his system. Well, I'm not an expert. I'm not a forensic pathologist or anything. I I have no idea where to stand on this. We're just going to have to inject enough heroin to find out. I'm going to pass on that. I think more interesting, can we talk about someone else who did a lot of drugs and there's a great story about it? Sure. Ever hear the story that that Stevie Nicks did so much cocaine that it burned a hole in her nose? No. (laughs) So apparently, this this is a story, and it's apparently in her autobiography that she did so much cocaine that it left a hole in her nose, and that turned into the rumor... That she had to have someone blow blow coke up her asshole with a straw. Okay. That is the rumor. That sounds a little ridiculous <laughs> at the end there. <laughs> doing enough cocaine to damage your nose, I can I can believe. I can understand doing some damage to your, your nasal passage. But I love the idea. And let's face it here. The, whoever started that rumor is literally just some dude 
who was like way too into Stevie Nicks and was just making up scenarios in his head thinking like that could have been me. <laughs> I have a straw. I have coke. That could have been me. Like yeah. you you know that that's where this had to come from. God, that's one of my favorites. I I love that one. Well, uh, okay, speaking of speaking of and we and we already kind of discussed the the ribs with Marilyn Manson, but okay, talking about body modification, how about Gene Simmons and his cow tongue? I was going to say that that's on my list here. That's one of the other big ones that I know of. All I have to say, whoever made that up, have they ever seen a cow tongue? <laughs> I mean, obviously not is the problem. Have you just take a look at a cow? They're big. Their tongues are big. I mean, okay, so don't get me wrong. Like, Gene Simmons does have an unusually long tongue. He has a, a strange like, tongue for a human it's being. It's pretty impressive. But it's, it's no not cow. A cow. <laughs> but that is that. Oh man! See, this is one of the ones where that rumor was brought up to me in the context of "Can you believe people used to think this kind of thing?" Yeah. Like I wish I were around during that era when that was a thing that people would have argued over. Yeah. I would have loved to have been, you know, in high school and cutting out magazine pictures of Gene Simmons. And then finding, like, an encyclopedia picture of a cow with its tongue out and trying to argue with friends about, like, look, they're nothing alike, you know. Not even close. <clears throat> Not even close. But it's hysterical. And speaking of, of musician mouths, Please God, here's a going weird to transition. I'm going to Mama Cat. Yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, I hate to break it to everybody, but Mama Cass did not die while choking on a sandwich or a pretzel or a hunk of ham or whatever version of this you've ever heard. Mama oh, Cass died of a heart attack. Man, I could go for but, a nice ham sandwich with a pretzel bun right about now. But the story is that she died choking on a ham sandwich or a pretzel or again, whatever. I've I've seen numerous versions of this. And let's just be real here. That just comes down to the fact that Mama Cass was a, uh, a, a very large woman. But, correct me if I'm wrong, was it George W. Bush who, was, who actually did choke on a pretzel? Yes. Obviously didn't die, but wasn't that a thing? Yeah. Because I feel like that's where I first heard the Mama Cass reference. Was someone right. saying something like George W. Bush almost mama cast himself, something oh like that. Oh my god. Yeah, I remember that story. I remember that happened during his presidency. Uh, <clears throat> Alright, I have one more food one. Do you know what it is? Can you can you tell me what my last food musician legend is? Oh, uh you got one more food Okay. It's about How food. about how about um the scream from Love Roller Coaster being from the woman on the cover covered in honey? That is not it, but that's a good one. Let's jump to that one. You wanna you wanna tell the story? I mean, the story is that on uh, on the song "Love Roller Coaster" by the Ohio Players, there's a part in the song where you can where where the singer actually lets out like this really crazy sounding scream, and it's kind of like off mic. It's kind of like happens a little bit in the background of the song, uh, like during an instrumental section. And and the rumor throughout the years became that someone was being murdered over a drug deal or the singer was murdering someone in the booth, or the one of the other popular stories is that the woman on the cover, if you look at the cover of this album, there's a woman who is uh, 
like dripping honey into her mouth from a jar of honey because the album is just called Honey. And there was this story that she was like nude kneeling on plexiglass because she's not wearing a top on it, kneeling on plexiglass. And when like some of the honey stuck to her and then stuck to the plexiglass, her like skin was coming off. Now, why you would be recording her screams of pain or someone's murder screams for your album? uh, No one really has an explanation for that. Okay, but hold on. You can't say that when it's actually a thing that Axl Rose... Didn't Axl Rose record himself, like, having sex with Duff McKagan's girlfriend, and it's like the audio of it is in a song? That's probably true just because Axl Rose is a piece of shit. That's Okay, but that's kind of what I mean. Like, you can't, you can't be here saying, why would you do this? When, like, I think that's literally a thing. I don't think you would want to record your murder happening. Uh, so I'm going to roll that one out. Like, that's just evidence. You don't want to just keep that line around. You don't want to put it in the song and release it for the FBI to hear. But, um, yeah, I, I, I also just think you wouldn't be recording audio of you taking the pictures from, from your album cover photo shoot. But hey, that's just me. That's just that's just a theory. I'm not really? gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> I'm not gonna impose on that copyright. Um, no, don't. But but before we leave, I am sending you this here. It is in fact a thing. Um, it is on the track Rocket Queen. Rocket Queen. If you go okay. to about two forty five, like yes, this is actually a thing. You you literally hear uh apparently her name is Adriana Smith moaning in the background welcome to things being recorded that really didn't need to be recorded and put in songs yeah well that's uh, one of the songs i was never a big fan of on that album honestly agree that's actually why i couldn't remember what song it was because rocket queen is as we've discussed when we talk about rock uh guns and roses like i think that's one of those I've, i think i've even mentioned that's a song i don't particularly listen to a whole lot what a shock that it was hard for people to maintain a band with axel rose <laughs> what a fucking shock man amazing right before i go back to food real quick speaking of things being you know like his, his the, the singer's scream is like kind of off mic right yeah have we ever talked about the uh the ghost voice in led zeppelin's babe i'm gonna leave you Okay, I have heard about this and um i think it's one of those things i i read and i didn't think much of but I also think I heard the wrong song, so please uh, tell me about it. Because the stupid one I saw was uh, the immigrant song, and there's nothing in that that doesn't that doesn't sound like uh, like studio reverb to me. They were talking about the the vocals at the end of the song, and the only thing I can assume is they're talking about the uh uh oh uh. uh, no. So this is and this is there isn't like some weird legend around this. Um, sorry, let me find it real quick. And you're going to hear a voice in the background kind of yell the line. It kind of goes like, it sounds, I mean, it sounds, honestly, it sounds like, um, um, you know, he's doing his typical kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's just him saying the line. I can hear it calling me the way you know, it's, it's the next line. And literally all it was, was they were recording. I think it was the drum track and Robert Plant was just in another room belting it out and just doing his thing like he wasn't specifically being recorded one of the microphones just like picked it up picked it up and that was just it's there in the track I, like i think it's technically in one of the drum tracks and they just didn't do a retake i think it sounds kind of cool like there's not really a i actually kind of like that cool. i, I actually kind of like that especially with the line i can hear it calling me like what a good line for that to right? happen on it's 
this is one of those this is one of those weird moments where I think like because of the way we record music now, everything is digital and everything's easy to be cut out and replaced and everything's recorded so separately. We don't get little things like that anymore. Yeah. I remember when I first heard that song thinking that was just so cool sounding. How it was like he was like screaming it from like over a valley or something. No, he was just like in the next room. <clears throat> um, so again, so back to myths and back to food because I do have one more food one. And I'm actually surprised you did not say this one. Did Van Halen really go crazy and demand that their hotel room had to have no M&Ms or not necessarily the hotel room, but maybe the backstage room. The, uh, no brown M&Ms. Excuse me. Okay. I didn't even, the reason I didn't think of this one is because we both know it's fact. Oh yeah. Okay. I was going to say like, this is, this is like rock and roll trivia 101. Uh, it's been explained a million times, but this was, this was like a crazy myth for a long time, but, the fact of the matter is it's true, and it has nothing to do with brown M&Ms. Van Halen's stage show, especially for the time, was so crazy. It had so many like early pyrotechnics and crazy things going on the stage show. It was a safety precaution. If it was to make sure you read, were reading the writer. If they read all the instructions well enough, they would have seen the no brown M&Ms thing and done it. If Van Halen got into their room, found brown M&Ms, then they knew that, that they weren't being listened to. Okay. Uh, weird thought I had about that recently because I was thinking about that when I realized that back in those days they didn't have blue M and M's, so they had brown and tan. Did they have to remove the tan too? Because they look a lot like brown. <laughs> I never would have thought to look up. I would have literally been calling Eddie for clarification if I was reading that writer. That's actually really funny. I never would have thought to look up. Um, I never would have thought to look up what M and M colors there were at the time. That's beautiful. I, so I was just reading a thing about how like it was it wasn't until the nineties that they replaced brown with blue, and I was like, that means that during the Van Halen story, they they had tan and brown M and M's. That's awful. Yeah, I remember when blue M and M's came out. I was in. I'm trying to picture the classroom. I was in. I want to say second grade, because I I have this weird. What do you know how you have those like weird memories that just like why does my brain retain this piece of information? Yeah, I remember. It was like, you know, a, a holiday party, maybe, where we were all being given like a cup of M&Ms and the parents who were running the party made a point of making sure everyone got a couple of the blue M&Ms just so no one was left out <laughs> of getting the new color M&Ms. That's really funny. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, yeah, so that's, no, so like, that was, that was like a rock and roll myth at the time, but it's like a true story, actually, and it, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Well, have you ever heard the one that in the air tonight is about Phil Collins witnessing a murder? Uh, yes. But correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't isn't it kind of just like nonsensical? Like, yeah. isn't the whole thing like he just sort of was writing things that kind of conveyed an emotion, but he wasn't really worried about what the song was like. There wasn't a story. There is no narrative. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. Which I think is something that's way more popular now than it was at the time. What, writing nonsensical words? Writing stuff that conveys a mood rather than writing for the song to tell a story. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I know it definitely did happen. I can picture yeah. a couple songs. I know um, Take Me to the Pilot by Elton John is one of those. Mm -hmm. Like, the words don't really mean much, but that wasn't the point of the song. That has become much more popular. I think you can, I think you can either either thank or blame Kurt Cobain for being 
one of the many people to make that popular, though. Oh, boy. Yeah, the 90s grunge Yeah, because movement. they were... The, the 90s guys were really into imagery that didn't really mean no, anything. No, not one song literally meant anything unless it was by Pearl Jam. I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but that's actually not... Like, that's not the worst rule of thumb, honestly. <laughs> because I do think, especially early Pearl Jam, they were just telling stories where a lot of those guys were just kind of going for images. It yeah. didn't really didn't really match up to anything wow can i do another really ridiculous uh segue here because i just set myself up and didn't even mean to can we can we talk about other images that don't really mean anything when is the last time you listened to dark side of the moon while watching the wizard of oz i've never done it but it's something that i've always been interested in hey when was the last time you watched dark side of the moon lined up with paul blart mall cop <laughs> what it's called Blart Side of the Moon. <laughs> I am so glad you mentioned this. So I've never seen that movie. Um, but our buddy and I actually ended up talking about it the other day. I posted some some dumb meme on Instagram that was a quote from that movie. And it's, uh, it's Paul Blart's character sitting at a table saying something like, Peanut butter fills all the holes in your life. It makes the pain go away or something like that messages me he's like i love that movie i said honestly i've never seen it i wasn't even sure what movie it was when i posted this i just thought it was funny so go figure <laughs> so this is actually something that was done on a podcast that i don't listen to and i don't know much about i just found the video okay but i'm gonna drop it in discord and you can enjoy it at your leisure it's 11 minutes of clips of uh paul blart being lined up with just moments from dark side of the mill of the moon it's called blart side of the mall that's really funny I don't remember if the podcast itself was very funny, but the clips, some of the clips are very funny. That is beautiful. Um, no, I have never done that because I've also never seen, I've never seen Paul Blart Mall Cop. Um, I have, however, done the the dark side of the rainbow, as people call it. And basically the idea goes that you put on dark side of the moon and you hit play. Like it needs to start playing when the lie, the MGM lion roars for the third time. And it absolutely, obviously lines up. It was absolutely intentional to quote engineer Alan Parsons. There simply weren't the mechanics to do it. We had no means of playing videotapes in the room at all. I don't even think VHS had come along by 72. So no, it's like there was no actual intention here. Um, this is purely confirmation bias. This is just, there's also, um, like, the rule of close enough. Yeah. You know, if something happens within, like, even just a couple seconds, your brain can still match it up and be like, ooh, ooh, there it is, it's perfect. It's kind of like you're sitting at a red light, and you have your turn signal on, and the person's turn signal in front of you is, like, almost perfectly lined up with yours, but your brain is like, ooh, close enough, that looks good, I like it. That's and then really they get out of sync and you start getting insane. Yeah, but they, quote-unquote, stay in sync for a lot longer in your head than they're actually in sync. Your your brain's just, like, kind of forcing it a little bit. Your, your brain's tweaking it a little bit to make it feel like it's in sync. All right, I'm just for fun here, before we move on, I don't know how much more you have, I'm looking at a list of albums and movies that supposedly sync up together. You want to hear some of them? Absolutely. I actually would love to do these because, again, I've done the Dark Side of the Rainbow thing a few times, and I do think it's actually really cool. It's it's complete bullshit. It's all coincidence, but it's cool. 
The Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I want nothing to do with this. So never The Matrix mind. Okay. and Metallica's The Black Album. Okay, I'll do that. I'm into that. The Fellowship of the Ring and Led Zeppelin IV. I'm into that. I'm into that. I'm really into that. That sounds too perfect, but yeah. Memento and Nirvana's Nevermind. I don't, I don't know Memento. I have no opinions on this. Uh, that's what, that's uh, that's that's a fun movie. It's uh, you know what? It's filmed out of sequence, all kinds of things like that. Uh, Hackers and OK Computer. I want nothing to do with that. Neither aspect of that is enjoyable. Get get that out of my face. No. Pink Floyd's Metal and 2001: A Space Odyssey. Okay. The Exorcist and Black Sabbath self-titled. <sighs> uh, don't make me watch The Exorcist again. Toy Story and Toys in the Attic. Funny, clever, cute, but stupid. The Last Starfighter and Ziggy Stardust. I, I don't want anything to do with that one either. And finally, Wally and Another Brick in the Wall. <laughs> Alright, that's cute just because I like the wall joke. I like the wall name. Great news, Michael Jackson never bid on the remains of the Elephant Man. What? Is that a thing? Well, that's a rumor, obviously. It's not true. Yeah, there was a rumor that Michael Jackson tried to place a bid on the remains for the Elephant Man. Um, and the remains of the Elephant Man have never been up for sale. So, I First off, I would hope not. I would hope that the remains of a person like that have never been up for sale. Second off, sometimes I forget that the Elephant Man was an actual person. Yeah. That's, God, that you, you're yelling at me for being depressing earlier talking about someone dying. Like, no, the elephant man is depressing to me. So Absolutely. I need to, we're, we're, we're moving off of that topic right now. Well, something that I think is not depressing is, yeah. as far as rock and roll myths go, I love that every story that I've ever heard about Ozzy is relatively true. Yeah, so, I mean, he absolutely did, like, bite the head off a bat. Yeah, I mean, like we were saying, like, back in the day, you know, if you if someone told you at school, Marilyn Manson had a written movie, you had to go home, you'd look it up before you argue about it the next day. But every time I, like, looked up an Aussie Rover, whether it was, like, biting the head off a dove, biting the head off a bat, pissing on snorting the a line of Snorting a line of ants. So so that was the only one that anyone had any, like, like disagreement with. I found this interview with Jake E. Lee, and the headline is like, oh, former guitarist calls bullshit on Aussie myth. And I'm like, oh, no. So I read it, and the dude's like, oh, yeah, the piss happened, but he only snorted one spider. There was no line of ants. I'm like, you know what? He's still out there snorting insects. <laughs> he can have it. We got to let Aussie that have that one. incredible. That is incredible that his, like, oh, God, the clickbait title is what gets me. <laughs> and then meanwhile, he's just like, oh, no, like, it basically happened, but, like, you have the wrong animal. Uh, can, can, I, can, I go, can I go back to Michael Jackson for a second? Sure. Are you aware that it is, in fact, true that Michael Jackson was involved in writing the soundtrack to Sonic the Hedgehog 3? Yeah, I did know that, actually. Because that's one, I remember that being, like, I remember that was a rumor. Yeah. I remember when that was a thing that people are like, oh, no, I mean, I, I, Michael Jackson wrote, wrote wrote Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's like, no, like, that's stupid. No, he didn't. But, like, no, apparently he actually did. Like, this, this actually is Yeah. Like, God, that makes me happy. That's so stupid. I love it. So Ozzy snorted a spider. Yeah, just one spider. He said, one little spider, Jake Ely says. Weird. You let me down, Ozzy. 
Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, really. One, no line of ants. What the hell? I hope you don't get on, lit on fire again. Oh God, Are, is that going to be the new thing you're going to try and bring that up every time we talk? No. Like, okay. is Sharon Osbourne being the devil going to be going to be? The now next y'all thing? remember when Robert Johnson went down to the crossroads and sold a soul to Sharon Osbourne? Sharon Osbourne. I love the Robert Johnson though story because I I really like the fact that. Uh, he just like recorded some shit in obscurity and then years after he died, everyone found it and everyone loved it. And then he got all these legends about him. It's very nice. It's very, very happy ending millions of years after he needed it. I don't. So first off, I'm just going to throw this out there. Millions is a bit of an exaggeration. Is it? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Just a little bit. Oh man. Um, okay. So, so. I, I realize we are doing this before Halloween, and I apologize. I don't have any any good uh, spooky. That was spooky enough. Know. That was practically that movie, Urban Legend. I don't think I know Urban Legend. Uh, people get people get killed by more Urban Legends. It's fine. But I will say, I think a big issue I had is I brought this topic up, having a couple of these in mind, and really thinking I was going to be able to find a lot more. And I really couldn't. And I think a big part of it is kind of what you said before is like, you know, you, you, I forget how you worded it early on. I really liked how you said it, but just like, you know, the idea of just like, oh, I like always thought that was like a a, a fake thing kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So what we learned today is that you need to watch The Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of the Moon playing. I really do. I'm sure that there's people who just sync it up for me now, so that's probably well. I'm easy. I'm sure it's out there. I know for a while you were able to find like a bootleg DVD yeah. of Dark Dark Side of the Rainbow, and it was one of those ones that like you'd find it on a website, but if you didn't buy it within like a couple months, it was taken down. It was because, taken down. You know, like they they're not they don't have the rights to anything, and they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's out there. It's probably on AliExpress or something if you want to find a copy. If nothing else, I'm sure it's just online. But it, also, it's not hard to do. But otherwise, no, that is that is what I have as far as uh, myths and legends and rumors. So are we playing what have we what are we listened to lately? I was gonna say, what have you been listening to lately? The new poppy EP. Are you into it? I like it. She's doing that thing again where she changes genres four times on four tracks. Yeah, as she should, because she's perfect. As said uh in the car it went from new metal to grunge to fiona apple <laughs> yeah and it's perfect i love that perfect that's, did you check it out i have um probably not nearly as much as you have but i have i have listened to it i've listened to it three times it's only four songs oh, okay so I, I've, I've only listened to it once but i i've enjoyed what it was i i just i kind of just like think I still kind of look at Poppy as just like this weird performance art thing, which I think is incredibly cool. Yeah. But she's not something I listen to with any like regularity. I mean, I disagree. It's still the one I listen to the most, but. Yeah. And it probably will be. But even so, like. I really she... wish Flux had better mixing on the vocals. Um, I think I would like that album more if it was mixed better. Yeah, I gotcha. But, I mean, either way, Poppy's not exactly going to show up on my uh, my Spotify wrapped for the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like her, but she's she's not breaking my top 50 or anything. Well, speaking of things you have strong opinions on, did you did you happen to hear that Lost Queen song? No. Uh, Queen released, like, a song that, I guess... I don't know if this is one of ones that they recorded and then Freddie Mercury 
as he was like passing away, just recorded like just lyrics and lyrics for the bands to write stuff around. Or if this is something they actually all recorded as a band, but I guess they found a lost Queen track and they released that very recently. Huh. Ch- okay, check this out. On Thursday, the rock group released, quote, Face It Alone. So I guess that's the name of the song, Face It Alone. Okay. Yes. Released Face It Alone, a lost track that was originally recorded back in 1988 when the oh, band wow. were writing their 13th studio album. Um, Which album would that have been? And penultimate release, uh, The Miracle. Okay. The vocalist died just two years later. Okay, so that might have been when he was just recording tracks, but who? I, I don't know for sure. Oh, so you're questioning, like, was this something that he just did and they wrote a song around it? Or, because I, I, I believe that when, I believe that when Freddie Mercury found out that he was passing away, like, that the end was nigh, he just started recording, like, vocal tracks, like, that he, like, anything he had an idea of, he just started recording vocal tracks for the band to use after okay. he passed away. But I, I don't know if that was a little bit after that or if um, maybe this song was like one of the last songs they recorded together as a band or, or what was going on with that. Well, here I am seeing, you know, quote, uh, here, however, May revealed that it did take a little bit of help to brush off the dust and get the song rocking again. So, yeah, I'm not sure what this means. I'm not sure, yeah. how, like, was some of this done, like, were parts of this recorded recently to, to finish the track that was never finished previously? Uh, Face It Alone is one of the six unreleased tracks recorded during the Miracle Sessions that will be included in the upcoming box set alongside Dog With A Bone, I Guess We're Falling Out, and You Know You Belong To Me, as per Rolling Stone. Oh man, this is such a good solo from Brian May, though. Right? Oh my god. I, I love, love a good love Brian his, May solo. I love his style so much. Okay, that's actually a really cool song. Um, it does sound like it wasn't finished. It doesn't build the way I expect a Queen song from that time to build. Like, it has kind of a... It builds around the solo section for a moment and then kind of goes back down to, like, sameness. Like, the whole song has, like, an intensity of four. It goes to six for a brief moment and then goes back to four and it never builds to 10 like I'm expecting it to. It feels like it was a work in progress. Um, man, that's cool to hear, though. I was yeah. not aware of this. No. I actually may... I, now that I'm looking at it, may be, I may be incorrect in saying that it may be Made in Heaven that was made from from uh, vocal tracks that, that Freddie Mercury was just banging out before he died. But Oh, uh, okay. Either way, okay. Either way there's, like, there's like three albums that he, they recorded after his diagnosis that were all just kind of done as like a, like a whatever they could do before he passed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. No, I'm glad you pointed this out. That's very cool. I was I was genuinely unaware of this. Spotify has let me down by not putting that on my release radar. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> and then of all things, Jeff, you've heard me fucking with every opinion possible probably about Blind Illusion. They put out an album, finally. You remember them? I know the name. Which one are they? Like, give me the context. For anyone who doesn't know. Blind Illusion was like a thrash metal band um, that was kind of contemporaries with a lot of the stuff that was going on. But they weren't able to put out an album until 88, which was kind of behind the curve. But it's notable for being the first studio album that Les Claypool was ever on. He doesn't sing. He just plays bass. And Larry, the second album that Larry Lalonde was on after he left Possessed before they both left this band to form Primus. 
Um, okay, I was gonna say I. So in my head, when like I knew the name Blind Illusion was like in my head, it's like oh, that's a band that some bass player was in, and in my head, it was gonna be Jason Newstead, but mm-hmm. no, it was it was Les Claypool who I was. God, that's weird that I knew this was, like, the band of a bassist who went on to do something else. Well, that would have been Flotsam and Jetsam if it was Jason Newstead, but, I mean, it's it's less Claypool. But also, actually, interestingly, if you're into, like, thrash metal, a a lot of other bands, like, kind of were... In this band's hemisphere or whatever, uh, Kirk, Kirk Hammett from Metallica produced the album. That's why it sounds like shit, but I think it sounds like, uh, <laughs> oh, it sounds yeah, like, I was not char- expecting that. it sounds like a charming pile of shit. It like, everything works. It sounds a little raw, but I don't think it would sound, it would work if it sounded great. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those albums that kind of benefit from, from mediocre production. David Godfrey of, um, Heathen sings on some of the demos but he didn't he didn't stick around to the album and you find that maybe it the reason that it's hard for this band to keep members is because the the main guy mark biederman is fucking insane uh in in the early 90s he just like dropped the band went to china and learned to do karate and he came back and he started a dojo and they found this man looking like a meth head on the streets covering uh the pusher just like on one of those guitars with like Oh, yeah, yeah, you told, yeah. Okay, I, I, okay. I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm excited because this is one of those things I know you've told me this story, and like it's, it's clicking again. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got excited there. So they just found this is just a video on YouTube of them just finding this guy on the street, and he's just playing the pusher on like he's got like one of those little amps like on his belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then he, uh, he goes off and he starts. He restarts the band, but it like. It's just completely different. It's like this shitty hippie rock album that I just don't care for at all. And after no one cared for this, like, new version, he, he has since been trying to recapture the thrash glory. Um, And some of the stuff that he put on the new album is just stuff that didn't make it to the old album. Like, just old demos that never made it, right? But there's a couple... And, and some of it's shit. Like, some of it's absolute garbage. Um... And some of it's oh, actually okay. not bad, but his his lyrical ideas are just terrible now. I not that he was ever like a great lyricist, but I think some of his old stuff was like creative. If you listen to a song like like Death Noise, it's really interesting, and he's like actually a really good guitarist, right? And obviously, you have Les Claypool and Larry Lalonde, who even if you don't like Primus, they're solid musicians, and they're doing something more like Metallica or something, right? Um, the vocals are okay. are not great, but that's just another thing where it's like. I mean, he's probably in the same league of Dave Mustaine, but he doesn't emphasize, so it doesn't make it sound quite as shitty. Like, he doesn't do that, I'm taking a dump okay, sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, the first, like, couple songs on this album are actually really cool. And there's a few cool ones after that. Um, it's just a shame that, like, half of it also sucks. But Gotcha. But the I'm song Proto Molecule, I think, is just like a really cool song for like a fifty-something, uh, like thrash metal band to put out. If you want to check that one out, Oh, uh, we got some twin leads for you. Absolutely, my favorite. So I'm watching the official video. I'm not understanding. Oh God, no, that's your mistake. Yeah, I'm not understanding what's happening here. I I have not seen the official uh, video yet, but it's... I don't I don't really enjoy much that he puts out in the visual format. Man, it's something. It, I, I'm sure it looks like some someone fucking fucking around in like an effects studio thing. None of their music videos look good. 
yeah, it's literally the singer like on a hospital bed uh with a crazy scientist looking dude next to him. Just 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 cl- just with close like, your eyes and listen to the riff. With like that fake black and white grainy film footage, oh, like just God. like a filter over top of it. I can only imagine it looks awful, but just close your eyes and listen to the riffs. I'm here for the riffs, man. This is pretty cool though, actually. Like I am I am digging okay. this. I just feel like if he hadn't snapped, he would have been one of those people that like people actually talk about when they talk about guitar. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I can absolutely see that. This is this is pretty cool. And so this is this singer. This is the same guy who's like this has been his band the entire time. Or yeah, okay, cool. This is the same guy who was asking for rides on his official Facebook to his own shows. Oh no! Okay. Yeah, Got no, it. he's 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 certifiably nuts. Okay, very sad. But interesting. Anyways, Jeff, what have you been listening to? Well? Any bands put out their first album in like 20 years? Uh, I mean, does it count that the Backstreet Boys released a Christmas album? Oh, how is it? It's not great. <laughs> I'm gonna be real here. Can... Wait, recently? Like, they put it out just in time for Halloween, the wrong, the wrong <laughs> yeah, season? Ex- exactly. Like, it just came out, like, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? I think it was just this past week i like i think it just came out on friday it may have come out the week before i have no track of time um yeah like that's a thing they released a christmas album just in time for halloween and it's fine Do they know it's not christmas they they obviously do not they also don't i don't know man i have this complaint about any like close vocal group these days they all do it's it's so overproduced it sounds so fake. It doesn't sound like a bunch of people singing in harmony anymore. It's like the pentatonics are the worst for this. They could be replaced with an AI. I swear to God. They And like, they're talented. They are talented singers. But the albums sound fake. It is so over the top produced. Everything is compressed to hell and back. And it's just way too perfect sounding. And I hate it. And... The Backstreet Boys Christmas album definitely, uh, it, it definitely has quite a few moments of that. It's not bad, but it's not great, but I have been listening to it. Um, otherwise, no, I've been listening to a lot of, there's a band called Clockwork Wolf and Company. It is, there's a, okay, I feel like what you would know of him is, there is a video on YouTube of two guys reviewing a guitar pedal that is the Hatsune Miku guitar pedal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the one guy there, his name is Rob Chapman. Yeah, okay. It, this, so this is one of his bands. He plays guitar and sings in this band, and they're kind of like a really gritty hard rock, but very like blues-based sounding band. Um, I've been listening to a good bit of them. Nothing new. Their last album's from uh, last year. Well, not even an album, I guess. They they have singles from last year. But um I I I've been listening to a lot of that. I've been listening to some of the Backstreet Boys and otherwise nothing super crazy. Uh something got me onto a James Bond kick. So like in my recently played on Spotify is a playlist that is just like all of the James Bond themes. <laughs> oh, don't forget so, to put The Man with the Golden Gun by Alice Cooper on there. Uh I didn't think of that you're welcome but that's not the worst idea actually i could totally do that um a lot of that little bit of madonna i really love madonna's album music from 2000 
God, that okay. is such a good album. I don't know if you remember the song music. Um, it begins with than it, the speed of light. That's, that's quick. Not even Madonna, is it? No, that is that's quicker than a ray of light. That is Madonna, but that was from her album beforehand. Okay, I think, um, or maybe it was two albums beforehand. I, no, that was from. Uh, when was Ray of Light from? 98 or 99? Yeah, that had to have been the last one. So no, um, you're right, that is Madonna, wrong album. I like Like a Prayer. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay. <laughs> that was obviously like peak Madonna, but there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. But yeah, otherwise that's kind of... Otherwise, I have been listening to a lot of... So we talked a little bit ago, I was trying to get into uh, the last podcast on the left again. Yeah. I go through phases where I try and get into them, and... It's something I can put on while at work and, like, not really pay attention to them because I really don't care about most of what they talk about, but I try. Mm -hmm. But then I remembered that Marcus from Last Podcast on the Left has another podcast. Do you know his other podcast? Yeah. No Dogs in Space. No Dogs in Space, which... I, a while ago, I listened to everything that was released up to that point. What I didn't, I haven't thought about it for quite a while. So I realized, I you like, didn't care for it. I, I thought you thought the music clips were too long. They're, I, they are. Oh, they absolutely are. Okay. I, I think, I think some of the music clips are way too long. I think the, cause the episodes are like two hours long. Yeah. And there's just, some of these music clips are just like, all right, I don't need like a full minute and a half of this. Like I know what the Ramones sound like. And if yeah. you're listening to this podcast, you know these bands. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think many people are listening to No Dogs in Space who genuinely have never listened to Pale Blue Eyes by The Velvet Underground. I, I'm really not sure because I also know that it has, like, a built-in audience from last podcast who may not know at least every band he's talking about. I mean, no. Okay, so no, you're not, you're, you're not wrong there. But, like, I just, I think the clips are just way too long and it is annoying. But I ultimately do think it is a good podcast, and I do I have listened to everything for a while. You know, what, oh, what two years ago, whatever I listened yeah. to everything they had at the time. So He's I've a good researcher, back. Marcus. I've been going back and listening again. Um, I really enjoyed their their. It was like four or five episodes long about the band The Replacements. Okay, which is uh, among the more recent things they've done. Um, yeah. So I just listened to that over the past week or so and then you know last year they did the velvet revolver which was a really like that was really good too i thought i knew enough not velvet revolver jesus the velvet underground um which i thought i knew a decent bit about the velvet underground but i was glad i listened to this because because yeah marcus is a great researcher yeah there's a lot of information there um so i've been listening to a lot of that a lot of cool it was a good time. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad that Thank you find the things that you like. Uh, I actually, I have, I actually have to, um, I have to give you a W, Jeff, because for years you've been bashing a band and I've been trying to be devil's advocate, and we're gonna play what I'm not listening to, okay? Because this is my fucking tipping point. I don't give a shit about the new Blink One Eight Two. I don't give a shit that the original lineup's back together. Fuck off, back to 1995 to 2005. I would rather listen to the new Limp Bizkit. There's new Limp Biscuit. It's like from last year. Oh, okay. Or maybe it's like, oh my year. god. Okay, never mind. That I am aware of this. Okay. Um, dude, fuck Blink-182, man. Dude, uh, Mark, Tom, and Travis are back together, and as soon as oh, I saw the new don't song, worry. it's called... I'm, 
I'm as aware. Soon as, I saw, well, I'm aware. as soon as I saw the new song was called Edging, I wanted to fucking scream because what the fuck year is it? I mean, I know what year it is for them to call a song Edging, but like, Jesus Christ, you don't have to stay fucking 12 forever. That's literally been my complaint about them since they were, like, really popular. Like, since I, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, I've been saying that. I was 12 I years old, and I was annoyed at the fact that they were writing songs that were geared towards 12-year-olds. <sighs> and they were in their late 20s. Fuck off, 90, 95 to 2005, I kind of let it go, because it was sort of the attitude at the time. Like, immaturity fucking reigned supreme back then. We had yeah, and I hate, and all kinds and of I shit. And I hated it then, and you, too. I know, I know, I know. But it's just like, it, now it just seems like they're fucking out of their time, too, and annoying. I've never respected them. I, like, it, they're, I, they are in that camp. Like, I can't even respect them as a band. I've never liked them. I've always absolutely fucking hated them. I cannot stand Blink-182. They are in that same camp as Weezer, where I am just baffled by you people who actually unironically enjoy their music. I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, if you have the mentality of a nine-year-old, that's great, but... Yeah, and I have so many friends who are, like, fighting to get tickets to see Blink-182, and they're... Thousands of dollars! They're hundreds of dollars at best. I saw thousands. Don't get me wrong, I have spent crazy amounts of money on concerts before. But there is just something about the the price gouging for reunion shows that pisses me off beyond belief. Makes you want to pee. It's just gross. It's just gross. It's just gross that we're feeding into this. Like, accept it. Go see them next year or in two years when they come back and the tickets are a third of the price. I bet they sold their souls to the devil. Yeah, no, I I I am so I'm so sick of hearing about Blink when they too. Because again, they're also just like at that level of popularity where you kind of can't avoid hearing about it. Yeah, it's I, you know, I, I've seen the phrase used about a lot of people, and I think it applies. Everything I've learned about Blink One Eighty Two, I learned against my will. <laughs> and like I've heard that you, know, I've heard that line about the Kardashians. I've heard it about Kanye West. You know, and I think that line really applies in some cases. And I think this is one of those cases. I would be. I would be much happier being blissfully unaware that Blink-182 was was reuniting. Um, what also just makes me sad is the fact that, you know, previously for a while they had uh, Matt Skiba replacing Tom, and I really liked him for a while in Alkaline Trio, but apparently he's also a total dickhead, and that just makes me sad finding out that he also just kind of sucks as a person. I didn't want him to suck as a person, but apparently he does too. I'm sorry. Like, I expected it from Tom. I, I've known that for 20 years. Well, yeah, he can go back to fucking alien research or whatever the fuck he does. <sighs> I, I I don't know, man. Go bother those people for a while. Are we done? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. I miss talking about Robert Johnson. Any, 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 any last words? Just remember, kids. Maybe Robert Johnson didn't sell his soul to the devil and he just got tired of mediocre reviews and learned how to hone his craft and some jealous people made up a story. But just remember, you can you can go out there and you can create something and assuming it's not torn apart by 230-somethings on a podcast that no one will listen to, maybe in 30 years someone will, someone will find whatever you made and decide it doesn't suck. 
I really thought you were about to say you can go and make something creative that no one will listen to like this podcast. Anyways, a thousand subs by January, I'm selling my soul to Satan at a crossroads. (laughs)